Our scripture reading this morning is going to be found in the 13th chapter of Matthew. It's going to start with and end with verse 44. I usually don't do like one verse sermons, but we're studying the parables together. And, uh, and we've been looking at some different parables. And this is just a short little parable, but I think it has so much to teach us and show us this morning. So I want us to, to look at this, uh, at this tiny little parable together and see what it might be telling us this morning. So Matthew, the 13th chapter, starting with verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. A man found it. He hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought the field. This is the word of God. May it find its way into our hearts and lives this morning by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, I was at camp all week, so I had just enough time to do a title slide, no movie this week, so uh, it'll all be happening right here. <laughs> but, but I did do an, a, a pretty title slide for you, The Treasure. This is one of my favorite parables. And every time um, I read about the treasure in the field, I think about a conversation I had with my mother when I was about nine or ten years old. It's funny the things you remember, isn't it? Like, my, my mother probably doesn't remember having this conversation with me or, or, or the impact that it left on me, but, but it's something I go back to again and again and again. And what we were talking about was, uh, was $500 savings bonds. See, when, um, when my parents had me, I, I was the first. Um, they were still very young, and they, they still didn't have much money. And my grandparents went out and purchased $500 worth of savings bonds that would mature around the time I was 18 and became an adult. It was an investment they were making in my future. And I remember having this discussion with my mom when I was 9 or 10 about what I was supposed to do with those savings bonds. And we're asking, well, when I get $500, which to like to a 9 or 10-year-old just sounds like a zillion dollars, right? When I get this $500, what am I supposed to do with it? And I remember my mother saying, well, you know, we just want you to be able to get whatever your heart desires. Um, if you want to, uh, if you want to uh, maybe you decide when you're a young man, you want to go to Europe. And, uh, and you know, $500 won't get you all the way over there, but, but, but it'll help. Or maybe you decide you want, you want to go to Disney World. $500 won't get you out of the parking lot at Disney World, but it'll help, right? Or you decide you want to buy a luggage set or make a down payment on your first car or, or whatever it is. But I just remembered the phrase she used, whatever your heart desires. And that always stuck with me, whatever your heart desires. I remember a couple of years ago, um, uh, Crystal and the kids and I were all sitting around the table um, at, at this home we were renting, and we were talking about if we had a million dollars, if we won the lottery and we had a million dollars, what would we spend it on? I said the classic answer, you know, mansion with a butler. And um, my uh, 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 Nora Grace, 
um, said, well, she would, she would buy an art studio that would have all the, you know, everything she needed to do art. And um, uh, uh, William, William said that um, he would buy a, a thousand red lightsabers. He said it really seriously. I have no idea what he had planned, but it wasn't good, right? <laughs> um, but I remember, I remember Savannah saying that she would like to buy this house we were in. Now, let me tell you, the house that we lived in before we came here was half the size of this parsonage. I mean, the, you know, the, the girls shared a room, and it was just very, I mean, it was, it was very compact. And we were all just kind of laughing. This house, <laughs> you want to buy this house? You buy 70 of this house, you know? And, uh, and she was really serious. She said, you know, I want to buy this house that, that, that we're sitting in. That way um, we could all live here together forever. And uh, whatever your heart desires, right? You know, it makes you a little, little moist. If you're like me and you're allergic to emotion. And um, that phrase has always stuck with me. Whatever your heart desires. What does your heart desire? I think that's the question that this parable calls out to us, isn't it? What does your heart desire? What is so valuable that you would give up everything to have it? See, it's a short little parable, but, but it tells us so much. The first thing we know is that, is that there's this guy who's trespassing, actually. He's on a piece of property that, that he doesn't own, that doesn't belong to him. And he's wandering around this, uh, this piece of property, stooping, really, and he finds this, uh, this patch of soft dirt. And so he goes and he gets his shovel and he begins to dig it up and he finds a treasure. See, back in ancient times, you know, your town might not have had a bank. In fact, it probably didn't. And so if you wanted to keep your stuff safe, you'd bury it. And, uh, and that way, if a robber ever robbed your home, they wouldn't find the good stuff. Well, um, th apparently this treasure has been forgotten about because no one else knows about it. And so, so the guy finds this treasure, and whatever it is, it must be valuable. We're talking about an autographed Babe Ruth baseball card, Action Comics number one, whatever you can think of. It's super duper uper valuable. And we know this because the guy, he's shrewd, he buries it again, and then he goes home that night and he sells everything he owns. Right? The house, the furniture, the car, everything. Sells it all on eBay. And he collects all the money, and then he goes and buys the property from the fellow that owns it. And the fellow that owns it apparently doesn't know about this treasure and how much it's worth because he agrees to sell the man the property. And now he has the field, but more importantly, he has the treasure in the field. Right? And that, 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 that uh, parable, I think, speaks out to us this morning. What does your heart desire what would you give up everything to have now I don't mean to brag but I have a pretty 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 um, impressive set of Bible commentaries I mean um, I've got Bible commentaries Bible atlases I've got um, 
uh, uh, just uh, all you can imagine, and it's all in my computer. It's, it's through this wonderful computer program, and I can run just about any passage of Scripture, and, and, and I can read multiple commentaries in different columns. And I like to read like a whole array of commentaries. Like I like to get, get some, some, some liberal commentaries, some conservative commentaries. I like to read the Christian stuff, the Jewish stuff. I like to read like the old stuff from, from St. Augustine and, 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 and the new stuff that came out last week. Right? I like to read it all because if I find those points of agreement, right, where they're all kind of agreed on what something means, I know that that's the bullseye, right? Now, I, I, I ran this verse through all the commentaries, and they all say the same thing. And you probably already know what it is and didn't need those commentaries to tell you. The treasure in the field is Jesus Christ. The treasure in the field is is Jesus Christ. And you and I are like that man. We're, uh, we're wandering. We're lost. We're aimless in life. And then we discover Jesus Christ. And we want to have a relationship with him. And in order to do that, we need to be willing to sell it all on eBay. Right? We need to be willing to part with the old life, all those old things, all those things that were once valuable to us. We need to be willing to say goodbye to so that we can have Jesus Christ and have a relationship with him. The German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. That's the kind of sacrifice we're talking about. And he didn't mean it just like in the spiritual sense either. If you know anything about Dietrich Bonhoeffer's story, he, he died in a Nazi concentration camp for leading a Christian resistance against Adolf Hitler. See, he understood that where the rubber meets the road, we have to be willing to give up everything to follow Christ. We need to be willing to part with it all. When we start the pastor's Bible study at the Parsonage, we'll probably uh, 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 talk about what book of the Bible we want to start with and, and, and where we want to go. I'll tell you, one of my favorite ones to study as a group is the book of Philippians. It is my favorite of Paul's letters. Uh, um, every time I read it, I get something else. And the reason I love the book of Philippians is Paul is writing the book of Philippians in prison while he's waiting to learn to hear his sentence, right? He's, he's waiting to learn if he's going to be beheaded by the, Ro the Roman government or not. Spoiler alert, he is. And while he's waiting that, he, he writes off um, a letter to one of his churches in Philippi. Now, some of his letters, uh, the, uh, Paul's letter, like his letter to the Galatians, that has some heat on it. That's a little to whom it may concern, right? But, but Philippians is just so full of love for one of his former congregations. And Paul, in this letter, uses the word joy more times than the rest of the New Testament combined. Sometimes it's called the epistle of joy. He says, rejoice in the Lord always, and y'all can probably finish it. And again, I say, rejoice, right? Now, where does a guy uh, who, who is waiting to hear about his death sentence, 
who is sitting in prison, where does he find that much joy? Well, he tells us in the third chapter of Philippians. Sure hope I have it bookmarked. He says, But whatever I had, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. See, according to Paul, everything that came before Jesus, all that was garbage. Everything that, that, that I once counted as gain is now loss. Everything uh, compared to the surpassing uh, uh, glory of knowing Jesus Christ as my Savior and my Lord is all rubbish. The Greek word, by the way, behind rubbish is like what you keep in a pot and you throw out in the morning. Y'all do your own work up here, right? That's it. All this stuff I keep in a pot and I throw out in the morning, right? That is the old life. That was everything before Jesus. It's rubbish. It's lost compared to knowing Jesus as my Lord. Like that old hymn says, Were the whole realm of nature mine that were an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my will my all. Everything is lost. Everything is lost compared to knowing Christ. We've got to be ready to sell it all on eBay. Amen? We've got to be willing to give it all up to know Christ. That is the correct interpretation. All of the, uh, all of the, the, the commentaries will, will back me up. Any pastor you ask will say, Danny was right. That is the correct interpretation. You need to be willing to give up everything to have Jesus Christ as Lord. Eight or nine years ago, um, maybe even ten, um, I was uh, uh, serving as a youth and children's minister in Rocky Mount, North Carolina at a really large church. And that is a job, youth and children's ministry at a big church. And um, I, that wore me out. But one of my favorite things to do as part of that job was to lead children's church. We had that, we had that time right after the children's message where, um, where the kids and I and, and, and another adult volunteer, we'd go to a Sunday school class and we'd have our own church. We'd take up our own offering and, and, and sing, sing some songs and, and then we'd read the Bible together. And whenever we read a parable, I always liked to sort of make it a game, like a challenge, like a riddle. And I'd always ask this one question about all the parables. Who in this parable is, is us, and who in this parable is God? And the kids got pretty good at it. You know, you told the story about the shepherd and the sheep, and the shepherd leaves the 99 to go find the one sheep. Well, the, the kids figured it out. We're the sheep. We're lost. And God is the good shepherd. Or, or the story about um, the guy to, uh, the, the, that takes his father's inheritance and, and, and he goes off to a far country and he squanders it all and then he comes back hat in hand. That's us. 
God is a patient father waiting on the doorstep for us to come home. That's Jesus. So I told this, this parable that we're talking about this morning, and I told it just like I told it to you all, right? There's a guy, he's wandering in the wrong field, and, uh, and, and he discovers this soft dirt, and he uncovers this treasure and realizes it's so valuable, he needs to go off and sell everything he has so that he can have the treasure. And then I asked the million-dollar question, who in this parable is us and who's God? Well, the kids were stumped. They were looking back at me like this, right? Like they had gotten so good at it, and this one was really throwing them for a twist. And so I slowed it down, right? Told it again, slower, see, seeing if they, they could pick up on it. And I asked again, who in this parable is us and who is God? And one of the nine-year-old girls in the back raised her hand and said, well, I think that Jesus is the man in the field and we're the treasure. Now, I was about to correct her. Obviously, she doesn't have a good set of commentaries at home. <laughs> and I was about to correct her, and then she began to speak again. And she said, it's like this. See, Jesus had left heaven and he was in our yard, and, uh, and he, he discovered us. And he pulled us up out of the dirt, and then he, uh, he decided that, um, that we were worth more than anything he had. And so he went, and he gave up everything so he could have one of us. I'm talking chunks of brain on the walls. I had read that parable like a hundred times, and I had never seen that. And this little girl preaching the gospel to me at Children's Church. Let's try that on for size for just a second. I know what all the commentaries say. I know the right interpretation, okay? But let's try it on for size for just a second. See, I don't know how you got there, but, but you were forgotten by the world. You've been left there, trampled upon. There are all these layers of dirt built up over top of you. No one saw what you were worth. And then Jesus, he comes and he lifts you up. He clears away all those years of dust and dirt. And he says, I have got to have one of these. And then he goes and he sells it all on eBay. He gives it all up just to have a relationship with you and me. Amen, right? That'll preach, right? That's the gospel right there. And I need a nine-year-old to tell me. I need a nine-year-old to show it to me. Sometimes we do, don't we? But now it's all I can see. It's, it's like one of those pictures, you know, where, where, where it's the old lady. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's an old lady. I know, it looks like an old lady. And then someone says, no, it's a bunny. And they point to it. And then suddenly you see the ears and it becomes a bunny. And now that's all you can see. Oh, of course, it's a bunny. That, that, 
that's the way this parable is with me. All this time I saw the old lady and suddenly now I'm looking at it and I'm seeing the bunny, right? We're the treasure. And God is the one that, that gave up everything to have one of us. The Apostle Paul says uh, to the church in Corinth, do you not know that you are not your own, but that you were bought at a price? You and I were bought at a price, and that price was everything. He sold it all on eBay just to have a relationship with us. See, sometimes I think we, 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 we see the old lady when we look at the picture, right? Sometimes we just, we focus on what it is we're giving up, what it is we're leaving behind, right? I talk to other pastors, and it's all, oh, how busy I am, and oh, oh, these, these people, I preach to them every week, and they never change, and oh, this, I'm giving up this, and that, and that, and that. And, and, and we lose track, we lose track of the fact that we were in the dirt. We were in the dirt, and then he came and he redeemed us at the price of everything. And you know what that means for you and me? That means we don't get to decide what we're worth. That means no one in your life gets to decide what you are worth. Jesus Christ decided what you were worth when he died on the cross, and you were worth everything all of the pearls and all of the seas and all of the stars and all of the skies, everything he gave up to have you. I want to hear the best true story I've ever heard. I read it in a book called Traveling Mercies by Anne Lamott. And um, it's about this, uh, this, this, this girl and, and, and his little brother. And, um, and, and this girl had one of those diseases where just ever so often she needed a, 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 a blood transfusion to keep her going. And um, they didn't have really um, anyone in the family whose blood type matched except for her little brother. Now, her little brother is six years old, and the parents don't, they're so torn. They don't want to put him through the traumatic experience of, of a blood transfusion, but they also know that this blood transfusion is, is what, what, what their daughter so desperately needs. And so after some wrestling, uh, they decide to talk to the boy about it. They said, you know, your, 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 si your older sister really needs, needs your blood, and, um, and, uh, and, and would you be willing to do this? And, um, and, and the boy says, he thinks about it for a second, and this serious six-year-old says, yes, I'll do it. And so, I mean, the next day, they're in hospital beds, there's all the tubes, and get all lined up and the blood begins to swirl between the two of them. And in these situations, you know, all the focus is, is on the hospital bed over here where the girl is, right? Is, is she getting what she needs? Is she going to be revived? All that, all that stuff. And so there's, there's a crowd kind of around her um, checking her vitals, all those sorts of things. And, and no one notices the, the, the little boy laying there on the gurney and he's pale and, and his, his bottom lip is quivering, and he's, he's terrified. Finally, one of the nurses notices him and goes up to him and says, says, says are, are you all right? You know, is there anything wrong? 
And the little boy, all of six years old, looks up at the nurse and says, Nurse, can you tell me, when do I start to die? When do I start to die? See, the parents had kind of bungled the explanation, right? Your sister needs your blood. The little boy thought he was, he was giving up all his blood to save his sister. He had signed up to die that day. Friends, we have someone who gave up all his blood to save us. He signed up to die for us. We were in the dirt. No one else saw what we were worth. He gave up everything to have one of us. When I was in college, my early 20s, something really terrible happened to me. Happens to a lot of boys that age. I fell in love. Man, it was terrible, right? It, it does things to you. You lose your sense, your, your, your sense of perspective, all that. And uh, I, I fell in love with this girl named Crystal, and um, I decided I wanted to ask her to be my wife. And I had a problem. I was working part-time as a youth minister. Part-time means no money, right? I was poor. And, uh, and so I was just scratching my head, you know, how am I going to get a ring to propose to Crystal? And, you know, I, I was just, you know, uh, looking at the check I was bringing home, and it's just, you know, I couldn't work it out. And then I remembered something that my mother had once told me. See, you've got these $500 savings bonds, and I want you to be able to take that and get whatever your heart desires. The guy in his 20s, I knew what my heart desired. And let me tell you, I'm not good at math. I'm not good at numbers. I don't remember how much money that ring cost. I do remember one number. It's uh, what I had in the bank afterwards. <laughs> Zero. Zilch. Nada. Love does that, doesn't it? Love gives every cent. Love cashes it all in, doesn't it? That's what Jesus asked of us. Because that's what Jesus did for us. See, I think it's both. I think we give everything because Jesus gave it. Oh, how I love Jesus. Why? Because he first loved me. Love sells it all on eBay. And it doesn't look back. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.